What's up, church family? Welcome to Cedar Mill Online. We're really excited that you've joined us on this platform. Um, Don't forget, we'd love to see you in person sometime, 9 and 11 on Sunday mornings right here in this room. I'd love to get to know you better. Um, Come on a Sunday and introduce yourself to me. That would be awesome. Um, My name is Nick Mastrud. I'm the high school and young adult pastor here, and I'm super excited to open up God's Word with you. Um, A few weeks ago, we started this new series called Unlikely, Learning to Follow God from Implausible People. And uh, this series has been especially encouraging to me um, because throughout these last couple of years, which is a very long time, if anything, it has taught me that I am implausible. I've never felt less equipped to do what I feel like I need to do as a Christ follower. And these last couple of years has been a very humbling experience where I have no other option to lean on God and his ability to sustain me, which is funny. It's a really hard pill to swallow, but it's actually a really beautiful place to be. Um, it's in seasons like these when we come to grips with the fact that, that God is all we have at the end of the day. And we come to find that he is more than enough in that place. Um, These stories of unlikely people are so good because we too are unlikely people to be used by God because we are broken, we are insecure, we are limited people, and we can find hope in knowing that God specializes in using seemingly unlikely people to do amazing things for his glory and for his kingdom. So... Today, I'm talking about an Old Testament prophet who goes by the name of Jeremiah. Um, and the book of Jeremiah is super long. If you've read through it, you know, um, 52 chapters long. But the implications of Jeremiah's story is absolutely drenched in a wealth of wisdom and insight for us as Christ followers today. Um, of course, we won't be hitting on all of the major themes. Um, we are going to read it word for word, but no, nah, I'm just kidding. But um, you're more than welcome to read it word for word on your own time. But we're mainly going to be hanging out in the very beginning of the text and the very beginning of Jeremiah's story. And then we're going to be hitting main themes throughout it. Um, So let's look at this unlikely prophet, Jeremiah, chapter one, starting in verse four. Here's what it says. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send, uh, send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. So what we have here is Jeremiah being called by God to be a prophet or to be his mouthpiece to God's rebellious people at this time. He's been set aside from, the, from even before he was born, he was set aside for this huge task, this immense task. Um, when, when God called Jeremiah to lead his people, he was anywhere between 17 and 20 years old. And what we see in Jeremiah's story as he is called into ministry um, to be this prophet is he immediately disqualified himself. He, he immediately starts thinking of these insecurities. Jeremiah hears this word and considers the vastness of the task. And he measures that up against the young young and inexperienced person that he was. Jeremiah is thinking, 
It is very unlikely for a person as young as me um, to assume this role and, and to make a successful impact. You must have the wrong guy. Pick someone more experienced or somebody who has street cred in this area. Pick someone who has age on their side. But what I want you to know is Jeremiah, Jeremiah's age made him an unlikely person to be used by God in this capacity. So right out of the gate, there's this obstacle, his age. And the reality is age is still a massive obstacle for Christians today. Um, if, If you think about it in the 21st century Western world, we still have a unique relationship with age and how it relates to working out our faith or how it relates to our relationship with Christ. So we are so quick to disqualify ourselves for being too old or too young. Um, I'm standing up here right now, and a lot of you listening in might be thinking, this kid is so young, what qualifies him to be speaking with authority in this way? Others of you, um, probably the younger generation, the the youth students, um, many of you may be thinking, this guy is so outdated, like, He is so old, he's ancient, and what does he know about being a high schooler, being a middle schooler in my day? Um, Some of you youngsters might be calling me, this guy is so chuggy. That might be a word that you refer to me as, and if if you don't know what chuggy is, it's probably because you are. Um, But if I took a minute to think about it, I could convince myself that I have nothing of value to share with you because my age disqualifies me on both ends. I'm old and outdated while at the same time I'm young and have no right to be up here. Um, Luckily, God's plan for Jeremiah was way bigger than Jeremiah's insecurity. The same is true for me. God's plan for Jeremiah had way more power than his age did. And I want to speak a message loud and clear that, that each one of us, I believe, needs to hear today. And here it is. Age does not disqualify you from being used mightily by God. Age does not disqualify you from being used mightily by God. Jeremiah's story is jam-packed with life lessons, but it starts off with this message about age. And today's message is for those who feel too old or feel too young, no matter where you land on that spectrum, you are called to make a difference in this world for the sake of the gospel. And I want to start by addressing those of you who would identify as the younger generation, Um, We have this phrase in our youth ministry that um, isn't just a cute thought. It's actually a belief that fuels everything that we do for the youth. And it goes like this. The next generation of world changers for Christ are in our midst. Um, And I, I would even change this a little bit and argue against this phrase and say, you're not just the next generation. You are the generation. Like one of the most important ministries in this church is youth ministry because we believe when God gets a hold of our youth in our church, then he starts getting a hold of your entire generation through you, wherever you go. We we also believe that you have this ability to lead from from the bottom to the top. Like you have this unique power to set an example far beyond your years. So youth students, think about it. Do you, do you know what kind of impact it makes when you pursue Christ unhindered? Like when you're unhindered, sold out to Christ, you are literally setting the stage for, for life after Christ. And do you know what that does for people who are older than you? When you're following Jesus with your whole life, they, they start thinking, 
oh man, this youngster is doing that. Like I need to step some stuff up. Like I need to step it up in, in this area. Like your faith can lead up. It can inspire up. You can set an example far beyond your years. If you don't believe me, I dare you to try it. Um, this summer, we took our youth students to summer camp. We went to, we rented out Washington Family Ranch and we were praying and prepping for camp and, and a camp speaker and we hear of this girl as we're praying, um, who, who's just a force for the kingdom of God. And one of the most unique things about this speaker is that she was only 20 years old. Um, and to be honest, there was a bunch of pushback from, well, not a bunch. There was a few, few adults pushing back on, on having her. There were some leaders and parents that were hesitant, wondering what kind of spiritual authority does this 20 year old have to be speaking in such a large capacity? Like, does it, does 20 years under her belt really give her the right to speak to hundreds of students throughout the course of the week? Um, isn't she too young is kind of the question here. And I, and I have to admit, I had some similar hesitations, but I also have to admit that I was so wrong. Like I have never been a part of a more powerful camp experience in my life. And that was primarily due to, to the fire that Gabby had, that Gabby Odom, she truly is a force to be reckoned with. Um, God called her into ministry, and I, I'm sure that she had her fair share of insecurities. Um, but believe me when I tell you, God is moving powerfully through this very young person, far, far beyond her years. Um, I was reading some stuff on her website, and I wanted to just show you her heart for young people as a young person. Listen to what she was saying. I believe that young people can rise. I believe that young people have a role to play. That is why I'm fighting for the next generation to be found faithful. I believe it can happen by fearing God, loving God, and calling people to repentance. I believe that by restoring the word of God in the next generation, we can give a generation plagued by relativity a clear view of who God is and what his word says. I believe it matters, not because the next generation is anything special, but because I believe in a God who wants to exalt himself and glorify himself. And I think that he wants the next generation to accomplish his purposes. So let's do it. Let's chase his holiness to the ends of the earth. Let's seek paths of righteousness where it feels like none exist. Let's go here, near and far, every space and every place to share the name of Jesus. For I am convinced that God is holy, his word is true, he can be trusted, and there's no better mission to commit our lives to. Someone once told me, whoever wants the next generation will get us. Pornography wants us, conservatives want us, liberals want us, social media wants us. So my question is this, what would happen if the church wanted us most? Let's rise church for such a time as this. So young people, I want you to hear me loud and clear. You are wanted and valued here at Cedar Mill Bible Church. You are seen and heard and we want you the most because we believe that you have so much to offer this generation as Christ leads your life. Not because we're not like thinking everybody deserves a trophy, like everyone deserves a trophy, but we believe this because there is a stamp on your life that says beloved and Jesus paid the highest price to purchase you. So you are not too young to do bold and big things for Christ. You have a calling on your life and you do not have to wait to pursue it. 
In fact, I dare you to wait no longer. Today is the day. If, if you've been disqualifying yourself from pursuing God more fully because you think you're too young or you're waiting until you're older or, or uh, if you're waiting for something big like that, may, may today be the day that that is no longer an obstacle. Like I dream of a generation that rises up in faith and truly changes the world starting now. And Paul had a similar word for young Timothy. This might be familiar to some of you. He said this in 1 Timothy 4.12, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So if you feel as though people are looking down on you because you're young, you, this is an invitation that you can, you can prove them wrong. Um, if, if people are dismissing you for your age, you don't have to throw this verse in their face saying, don't look down on me because I'm young. Actually, this is an invitation that you can live into in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Set the example, lead from the bottom to the top is what he's saying. When our culture expects very little from the youth, God expects a lot. God expects great things. You are far more capable than you realize. If you're older and you're tuning in today, I want to challenge you to breathe life into the youth here. Like encourage the youth of Cedar Mill Bible Church as they fight for, for faith in a hostile culture. Like we have some amazing students who are rejecting the ways of the world and latching on to the ways of Jesus. And there is nothing better than getting a front row seat at watching this happen. So encourage the youth when you see them walking around here. Um, I also, you're not off the hook. Um, for the older generation, um, I think there's a message here for you as well. Uh, older generation, we need you. One of the things that drew me to Cedar Mill Bible Church when I was first um, getting to know the area, getting to know the church, the thing that drew me here is the generational diversity that we have here. Like, if you're feeling old, let me just say that you have a wealth of wisdom that we are in desperate need of. You are drenched <laughs> some literally, in experiences and advice and the ability to care for our church in ways that only someone who has been through it all could do. Um, so our, our culture today, and I, this is a bummer, but it's a reality, a huge value of our culture is productivity. Our culture says that you are only as valuable as you are productive. Um, the less you can offer, um, the less valuable that you are. But God's kingdom doesn't work the way that our world does. Like the ultimate goal in this life is not mere productivity. If you're feeling like, man, I have less to offer um, because I'm less mobile. I can't do what I once could. Remember that you have one of the greatest things to offer that only years can give you. You have wisdom. You have life experiences. You have lessons learned. For many of you, you have spent years of company with Jesus. Some of you are so in tune with the spirit and have followed Jesus for so long, you dang near look like him. Like what a gift you are to our church. Don't let this season of life go unused. Don't coast in this last season of life. Um, you may have this misunderstanding that, oh man, I, re I retired from my job. Like I'm just retiring from my work and ministry. This is for the young folks to take the reins. I would argue that you have actually reached the prime of your life when you have more time and more wisdom than ever before to lead people to Christ. 
I would challenge you to get a fresh vision of what ministry looks like for you in this phase of life. Really think about that. Don't, don't discredit what you can do based on your age. Right now, it's so cool. Like I said, I lead high school ministry, um, but we have some youth leaders that are at the age where most people would completely discredit themselves for doing youth ministry. Vince and Bob, if, if, if you're watching this, love you, Vince and Bob. They're, they are absolute legends and, and they could truly, they could seriously say, and I, I, would, I would understand, but they could say, I don't understand youth these days. Um, they could say, I'm not mobile enough to keep up with these kids, right? They could say, I don't have the energy that I once had or the patience that I need to, to care for these kids. But let me say that these dudes are making a world of difference among our youth. They are showing up week in, week out, creating a safe place for students to learn and grow in their faith. They share their wisdom. They share their personal experiences that they've been through. And one really cool thing is they have time on their side. They, they have time on their side. And I'm not kidding you. These leaders pray more prayers than I ever knew was possible for our students. Every day they are interceding for their small group of students. Um, and none of this would be possible if they simply discredited, them, discredited themselves because of their age. And they're like, I'm, I'm not going to jump into this because I'm just too old. Older generation, let me say this. You are far more capable than you may realize. May you be reminded today that you have a resource that only years of life can give you. Don't let your years of life go unused. You may be a resource that a person needs in this season of life. You may be the comforting presence that somebody is in desperate need of. Don't let your life go unused in this season. Um, I want to read this psalm. It's kind of an encouragement. It's Psalm 92, 13 through 16. It says this, The just shall flourish like the palm tree, shall grow like a cedar of Lebanon, Planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish in the, in the courts of our God. They shall bear fruit even in old age. I love that imagery. They, these trees growing for years and years, bearing fruit in old age, always vigorous and sturdy as they proclaim the Lord is just our rock in whom there is no wrong. There is truly immense fruit from the life of a person who has grown old in the Lord. I think this is both an encouragement for us, but also a model of living for Christ followers, walking in the direction of Jesus year in and year out, what Eugene Peterson calls a long obedience in the same direction, and it bears a multitude of fruit. We see that in this psalm. For the younger generation and for the older generation, I think it's important that we challenge ourselves with this question here. In what ways have I allowed God to disqualify me from ministry? What have I been hesitant to do because I have written myself off for the reason of being either too old or too young? We're going to shift gears for a moment and jump back into Jeremiah's story. For the second part of this sermon, we're going to look at Jeremiah's ministry as a whole. So this age, it starts off with age being an issue. Um, and then there's all sorts of issues in Jeremiah's story. Um, one would think that if God was going to choose a prophet, he would at least choose somebody that people were going to accept and respect, right? Like at least pick a, an acceptable person and somebody that's respectable um, by the people or respected by the people. But what you'll find throughout Jeremiah's story is that he was rejected and mistreated for his entire 40-year ministry. 40 years of ministry, rejection 
and and disrespect. That this guy, he's a legend for sticking this out. But um, there's a, there's a few verses here. Jeremiah seven twenty two through twenty four. I just want to highlight one verse. It says this, as Jeremiah was talking to them. Um, and giving them the commands from God. It says, but they did not listen or pay attention. Instead, they followed the stubbornness, um, stubborn inclinations of their own evil hearts. They went backward, not forward. So Jeremiah is doing ministry and they're basically like, we will not listen to you. We're actually gonna go the exact opposite way than you're telling us to. And Jeremiah 13, 10 says, these wicked people who refuse to listen to my words, they, their stubbornness of heart, and they go after um, other gods to serve and worship them. And it says they're completely useless. Then Jeremiah 17, 23, yet they do not listen or pay attention. And further on, would not listen or respond. Um, and then Jeremiah 11, verse 12, um, further down in the verse, it says, it's no use. We will continue with our own plans. We will all follow the stubbornness of our own evil hearts. They're just blatantly not listening to Jeremiah year in, year out. It was blatantly rejected time and time again through 52 chapters, through 40 years of ministry, it's completely rejected. But not only was his message rejected, but he was also flat out mistreated as he was being obedient to God. Let me give you a little snippet of this. In uh, Jeremiah 20, verses one and two, Jeremiah is beat and put into stocks. Um, in Jeremiah 26, 11, he was given a death threat. In Jeremiah 36, 23, the king burns his scrolls. Um, in Jeremiah uh, 38, 6, Jeremiah is left to die in the mud of a cistern. In Jeremiah uh, 43, 2, Jeremiah, by the people he's trying to lead, everyone's just saying liar. They're calling him a liar flat out. Time and time again, Jeremiah is rejected and mistreated. It was a long and difficult road for him. And we're often to, tempted to fall into this belief that if God's hand is in it, then it will come natural and it will be easy. Um, maybe you've felt this tension before. We often believe if God's blessing is on my life, there will be a clear path and everything will fall into place. We might even say this phrase, God will make a way. Um, what we mean by that or hope by that is eventually it will become smooth sailing. Um, but the reality is when God calls his people, there is a stamp of guarantee that says hardship is coming. Hardship is coming. There's a stamp of guarantee that rejection and disrespect are on its way. And Jesus even called this out. He made it clear. Um, John 16, this famous verse, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. And then listen to this guarantee in this world, you will have trouble but take heart, I have overcome the world. My encouragement for you is Jesus's words here. Take heart, like Jeremiah did, press on, fight the good fight. When you are rejected and disrespected for your faith, continue to choose obedience in the same direction. I think Jeremiah is a prophetic voice in our day, in a world when people are fleeting at any moment of hardship and difficulty. We could use his example of endurance and resilience. We could use his vision of life that says, I'm on this path for the long haul. If God called me, I'm gonna continue. Um, when, when church gets tough, when life gets tough, when friendships are messy, when circumstances only seem to get worse, when it's way easier to toss the talent on, your, on our faith, I'm staying the course. 
What a beautiful message. God has given me a task and that's all I need to stay the course regardless of the hardships. When the storm rages, I will not jump ship. For 40 years, Jeremiah was faithful in his ministry. And this is unique. In the grand scheme of things, Jeremiah didn't do a bunch of major or heroic things. Um, he, He never killed a giant. He didn't part a sea. He never was thrown into a furnace only to be unscathed. He simply remained faithful to God year in and year out in the face of hardship. And what this reminds me of is how countercultural this is to the way our world operates. To the world, Jeremiah may seem like a failure, like he didn't necessarily obliterate anything, but he sure didn't do all these heroic things that we often read about. But make no mistake that Jeremiah, as well as Jesus, lived lives that were rejected and disrespected by the world. So if you are feeling rejected, or disrespected in your pursuit of Christ, you are in good company with Jesus. You are truly, um, if you are truly following Jesus, it is only a matter of time that this rejection and disrespect come your way. And my encouragement, take heart, remain steadfast and know that God is with you in it. Something I think is fascinating is that the, Jesus quoted the prophet Jeremiah more than any other prophet. Very unique. But I I wonder if he did this because he resonated with him the most, a long obedience in the same direction. Um, And he was rejected and disrespected and stayed the course for the glory of God. Jeremiah and Jesus, I think they would have been kindred spirits. Um, So a question I have is why should we or could we be okay with rejection or disrespect for our faith? How, how, how could we actually put up with that? Well, I can't teach on Jeremiah and not go into the infamous Jeremiah 29, 11, right? This is one of the most quoted verses of all time, but it's also the most misquoted scripture of all time. It's often taught in the context of God planning to take all the difficult stuff out of your life and give you what you've always wanted as you follow him. Like this verse was, we need to remember, was written to a specific people at a specific time, but we often pluck it right out of its surrounding context and try to apply it at face value with where we're at, as if to say, it's, it's hard now, but have faith and everything will just be all better. Like he will provide your, your wildest dreams just around the corner, maybe next year, maybe just the more faith you have, the better chances you have to prosper. And he will take away all this suffering. So Jeremiah 29, 11, let's read it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. But if you look at Jeremiah 29, 10, you will see that God says to these same people that you are going to be captive to the Babylonians for the next 70 years. And then he says, but then I have good things for you. Well, that, that's great news, except for the fact that nearly every one of the people that he's talking to is going to be dead before the 70 years of freedom from captivity. Like, what kind of message of hope is that? Like, don't worry, in 70 years, how old are you now? You're 50, 60? Okay, in 70 years, you're gonna be free and I have plans to prosper you. So what happens when, when what you want, um, the things that would actually cause you to prosper 
in life don't come to fruition. Like you're following Jesus and it's like, it's not getting better. Like these plans are actually getting worse. What if things actually get worse than better in this life? Well, a couple things, we grow really confused and we grow really frustrated with, with God because he said that this is gonna be prosperous and, and he has this future for me that's hopeful for me. But we must come to grips with the fact that the plans for your prospering in this life may not be on this side of eternity. This particular scripture is a word for people to take heart and to anchor yourself in God's reality in the face of exile because this isn't all there is. The best is yet to come and it's not promised on this side of the resurrection, it is, but it is for sure a guarantee on the other side. This verse was revealed in a time when a prosperous life was very foreign and, and harm was all too familiar. And the encouragement here is stay the course. God has a plan far bigger than the reality that you're experiencing today. The best is yet to come. We can persevere through rejection and disrespect because this life is only a blip on the screen compared to eternity. And I, I wanna finish up here by what, how Paul framed this up in 2 Corinthians. Listen to this in 4, 16, verse 18. Therefore, do not lose heart Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I love how he frames that up, um, that yes, we, we are getting older. Yes, we, we are um, experiencing these hardships, but, but what's coming far outweighs all of those things. So as we conclude with this unlikely prophet, let me encourage you with, with these lessons from Jeremiah's life and ministry. Number one, be reminded that your age does not disqualify you from living a bold faith starting today. And secondly, this is my encouragement, stay the course, take heart, fear not, the best is yet to come. Fight the good fight in this season of life. There is a plan for you that far outweighs these momentary hardships. If I could, I'm gonna pray over you and uh, we're gonna um, continue or we're gonna end the service. So let me pray. God, thank you so much for, the people that are tuning in right now who are on the other side of this screen, I know that, um, I know that uh, you can do just powerful things as we open up your word and, and dive into exactly what it is that you, you want us to hear. God, I, I just pray that the very thing that, that some of these people may be discouraged about, about their age being too young, too old, I pray that you would step into that and give them a fresh vision of the ministry that you want them to engage in starting today. Um, be the courage that they need. I pray that you would breathe this wind of, of strength for them to hold fast onto the course. God, just like Jeremiah was going through these 40 years and feeling rejected and disrespected, for those that are feeling rejected and disrespected, I pray that you would be the anchor for their souls as they, as they, they get on this path and they go in the same direction towards you. So God, do something in us that causes us to look more like, more like your son today. We love you. We want more of you in our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.